You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. I'm going to kick things off a little bit different this week and or on this particular podcast and before we get into the main podcast I sat down for about 10 minutes I think it's a 13 minute interview that I did with my daughter and we talked a little bit about hunting and fishing so before we get into everything else I'm just gonna share that conversation with you All right, we are in my office, and I have a very special guest today. She is one of the most beautiful little girls in the entire world. Ava Johnson. What's your name? Ava Johnson. Who's your daddy? Daniel. Oh, okay. All right, so what are we going to talk about on the podcast today? Deer hunting. Deer hunting? Okay, so first off, you like playing outside, right? Mm-hmm. And do you like going on hikes? Mm-hmm. Do you like going fishing? Yeah. Now, I never do this at home. What do you never do at home? We don't go swimming. We don't go swimming? We went swimming in Grandpa's pond. I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about something that you've done already, okay? And that's fishing. Mm-hmm. Do you like going fishing? What kind of fish do you like to catch? Um, walleye. You like to... Sunfish. Walleye and sunfish. Okay. Have you ever caught a walleye before? You have? <laughs> you have? How big was it? Oh, that's not too bad. She's she's measuring about uh, 13, 14 inches uh, with her 34. hands. 34. 34 inch walleye you've caught? <laughs> That's gigantic. And this how this is this is how much the sunfish was. That would be a world record sunfish. Now I think what you've uh, do you remember the pond that we went fishing in? I had a dream last night. I was I was at Grandpa 
gyms and we were we were going fishing and I was in and I w- I jumped I was I was trying to reel in the fish and I got in there and I and there was sharks and catfish in there. There were sharks and catfish and, and alligators. And alligators in your dream. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty incredible. Now when you go fishing, let's say let's say we're gonna go fishing with Grandpa Kent, okay, in his boat. Do you like to put the worms on the hooks? Mm-hmm. You do. Are you afraid of the worms? No. Are they icky? No. You're not afraid of them. Oh yeah. No. 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 They're icky. Now, do you know how to take the fish off the hook yet? No. Do you know how to cast yet? Cast the pole out into the water. You do, don't you? Okay. So, when you when the bobber goes under the water, what are you supposed to do? Reel it in. Reel it in, that's right. I know how to reel stuff in. And then at, when you reel it in, then what do you do? When, it, when the fish gets to the shore, what are you supposed to do? You take it out. Who takes it off? Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad? So I don't know how to take it off yet. I'm going to try to teach you that this summer, okay? Yeah, so you just pull it off of the scissors. You pull it off of the scissors? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. All right, so hunting. All right. Do you ever want to come deer hunting with Dad? Yes, and deer deer hunting is in the woods, so find deer in the woods. They don't come out in the summer. They go out at night. They sleep in the summer. They sometimes sleep in the morning, and sometimes they, they they be up in the morning, and sometimes they... They go to sleep in the. They go to sleep when it's dark, and sometimes they go to to sleep when it's when it's. Hmm. What do deer eat? Meat. Deer eat meat. Do you want me to tell you what deer eat? They eat leaves, and they eat corn. acorn, and they yeah they eat corn and beans and grass and a oh, whole yeah. bunch of other things. Um, they, eat, they eat birds. <laughs> I've seen a video where a, a deer actually does eat a bird, but typically they don't do that. Now, what is a boy deer called? Uh, a man. A man? It's a buck, remember? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is a girl deer called? Doe. A doe, that's right. And do you know what a baby deer is called? A doe. They're called a fawn. A baby deer, you know, and they have spots on them. We see that in the summertime, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you like to go on deer drives with Daddy in the summertime yeah, and look and for deer? Today, can I hold it? No. Today we can't go deer hunting because it's snowing out. Yeah. Typically, snow sometimes can mean good deer hunting. And sometimes people come out in the snow and make snowmans. Yeah. I want to make a snowman today. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever want to go deer hunting with your dad? Sure. With a gun or with a bow? Both. Both. Okay. So, what do you think? How about I use a bow, you use a gun, because I cannot use guns yet. You can't. Well, we have a toy gun at our house because I can use a gun, right? Well. Kind of a little bit, right? Well. Kind of. Daddy, this summer, is going to teach you how to shoot a gun. Okay. In a bow. I know how to, I know how to only do bows, but I can't do guns yet. Okay. I shoot a bow before, right? 
At Grandpa's house. Yep, at Grandpa's house. We had a little kid bow that you sh- that you shot. You had to have yeah. Daddy's help, though, right? Yeah, I shooted three times. I mean four. I mean five, and and I got one shot, two shot, three shot, four shot, five shot. Right. 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 Five shots. Do you think you could kill a deer? Mm. Yes. Do you think you could take its guts out? What's a gut? The guts. You mean. You know, so you eat. What's the guts? You, you know, deer meat, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. What's your favorite kind of deer meat? Do you like the, the sticks? The sticks one. With the cheese. With the cheese in them. Deer sticks with the cheese? Yeah. And there's something like that. It's this. It's not. It's squishy a little bit. A little the, squishy. But these ones are not squishy. It's meat. Yeah. Meat are not squishy a little bit. Okay. A little bit. Squish. Oh, okay. Jello squishy a lot. Okay. If you hammer it, it will come like it will be. Like, it was. T- excuse me. It will be like. It will be like piece of balls. Okay. So it's it will be like Jello balls. Oh. So if you put Jello balls in peanut butter, it makes Jello peanut butter balls. Okay. Huh, I've never had that before. Now, trying to stay on topic here and talk about deer, do you like to, do you think you could help, do you think you could help daddy drag a deer out of the woods after he shoots it? Mm-hmm. What if we drive it like, drag it like a bird? Yeah. He's funny. So, I have a question for you. This is kind of a serious question, okay? <laughs> now, an animal, a deer is an animal, and when daddy shoots it, it dies. Uh-huh, and they run when it, it has them. It runs like this. Yep, it runs away, but it dies, yeah, right? for real. Yep, it for Birds dies. can die for real. Yep, birds, birds they can just, die. They just shoot. Yep, yep. Now, Deer go like this. Yep, and then they fall over, right? Mm-hmm. But I have a question for you. Does does it make you sad when Daddy kills a deer? Yeah, because deer are so sad. They are? But it turns These are yummy. Yeah. But they're I they, would cook a deer and eat it all. Yeah. So so it's okay to kill a deer, right? Because the meat the comes meat to our family and we can eat it. The meat tastes like Tastes the, good, doesn't it? It tastes like turkey. Kind of, yeah. And yummy. Yeah. That's all you <laughs> So guess what? In order for us to have food, we have to we kill the deer and we eat it do you like that's okay with is that okay with you yeah okay so what about big bucks big bucks are called deer well yeah they're deer but they're deer but they're, they like to have horns yeah horns. big horns elephants like have like no horns but some do yeah like they from their nose mm-hmm now I have a question for you. When you go out hunting for the first time, are do you want to kill a, a doe or do you want to kill a buck? If I when I want to grow up, I want to be a deer shooter. You want to be a deer hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a, maybe a doctor. Or a doctor. Well, those are two really good options. Um, Remember, they have jobs today. I think I'm going to be a mom when I grow up. Yeah, well, you're a girl. Oh, oh I'm going to be a grandma. 
Well, you can't go straight to grandma. You have to be a mom first. Why? Yeah. And then so, you have a kid? Yeah. Yep. Why does a grandma have a kid? Well, a mom has to have a kid, and then that, and then if that kid has a kid, then the, the original mom is now a grandma. So, Grandma Gwen is my mom, but she's your grandma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, do you like eating fish? Yes! Hey. <laughs> so, what do you want to, like... You wanna you wanna go deer hunting and turkey yes, hunting, right? Yes, and we're almost done with this, right? <laughs> are you are you losing patience? Yeah, you're losing patience. Okay, so how old do you think someone has to be to go hunting? How old are you? You're five. Okay. So if I would be like twenty, how about I shoot a deer? A eighteen, a nineteen, a ten. <laughs> or 10, okay? What if I told you that maybe this spring... Dad, what, that, that, what is that on your cheekies? Maybe this spring, maybe we can go turkey hunting. What do you think about that? That would be fun. That would be fun? Are you done? Are you done talking about hunting? No! Do you want to tell anybody anything else before we shut this off? Anything about fishing and hunting? Your favorite things? Forty. Three more what? 43 more what? 43 more talking. So, about my daddy, he likes to shoot a lot. Can I hold it? No. About my daddy, he likes to shoot a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of deer. Okay. And he likes the McTurkey, McTurkey sex. And if you shoot the turkey and you can make them straight up, there will be... Deer sticks. Yep. Now, what about shed hunting? My daddy has a trophy from his boss. I mean, his his old grandpa. His old, my old grandpa. Who was the old grandpa? Grandpa Dwayne. He got he he got a trophy, but I'll show you guys it. No, they can't see it, baby. This is a radio. Oh, pretend they can see it. Sorry. Okay. Oh, that! It has a horse and a one ninety nine six. Nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about shed hunting. Okay. Next next spring, I think you're gonna be old enough to go shed hunting. It's already spring. Well, next spring when their antlers drop again, do you want to go shed hunting with mom and dad? Mm-hmm. But okay. not Mac and Nog. What if they get lost? Yeah, that's a big uh, thing. That's a big thing. And Sometimes people get lost. we find them. Yeah. But we can't find them. We get <laughs> okay. Oh I th- I think we're I think we're done here, aren't we? Yeah. Any any last words you want to say to anybody? Bye. Well, I hope that was as entertaining for you as it was for me. I tell you what, she really gets excited when I start talking about hunting and fishing. So I I need to snowball that. I need to ante up on all that uh, enthusiasm and make it my job to get her 
as deep into the game as possible hunting fishing camping hiking i want her to be as much of a fan as the outdoors as i am so uh, i'm going to continue down that path and involve her as much as possible as soon as possible so hope you hopefully you guys enjoyed that uh little intro with my daughter now today's real podcast we're going to be talking with shannon long and shannon Although he hunts multiple properties in Ohio, he killed a Boone and Crockett buck on a 20-acre piece that he says has roughly six trees and maybe one or two that can hold a tree stand and that are good for specific winds. So today he tells us the the story of a Booner that he shot in Ohio. Uh, on a very small piece of property in even smaller opportunities as far as places to put a hunting blind and uh, tree stand. But he lays out the terrain for us. He lays out the story, uh, a couple years of history with this deer. And uh, we share this big buck profile, basically, of a buck that he calls Lucifer. It's not as evil as you think, but it's a, it's a really cool story and how he approached trying to find these deer and attack these deer so uh it's a pretty cool pretty cool story about how a guy i i guess his specific strategy on hunting a big mature buck and i think that's what we all like uh we like to hear these kind of success stories but before we get into the story what i'm gonna say is lone wolf tree stands if you guys i mean hopefully by now if you're a listener of this podcast, you know about lone wolf tree stands. I am a mobile hunter myself. I have to, you know, I'm the kind of guy who, um, if I'm sitting in one tree the entire year, I must, ha- I must have a broken leg or something because that's not how I approach the, uh, the deer season at all. Uh, I try to be as mobile as possible and I do that with a tree stand and sticks from lone wolf. That's my system, and the reason I choose Lone Wolf is because, number one, they are an adjustable tree stand, so you can have a crooked tree and still sit straight. There are not a lot of tree stands on the market that have that ability, straight up. So it's comfortable, uh, it's mobile, it's quiet, it's lightweight, and it allows you to get into some really tight spots, find those deer, and get in the right tree uh, for your hunting setup and not the right tree for your tree stand. So, uh, please go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com. And if you do decide to purchase the, a lone wolf tree stand, enter the discount code nine F C five zero, and you will receive $50 off of all orders over $200. So, uh, that's a pretty good discount right there for you folks. Uh, ex- take advantage of it now because I don't know what next year's discount is going to be if there's going to be one at all. So please take advantage of that right now. Other than that, I mean, Lone Wolf, they're just a badass tree stand. Now, enough jaw jacking. Let's get serious and let's uh, do this big buck profile with Shannon Long of Ohio. All right, everybody. I'm here on the phone with Shannon Long. How you doing today, Shannon? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? Man, I can't complain. Um, you sent me a picture 
via Facebook of a big giant buck. And I think my response back to you was all caps with a couple exclamation points. Holy balls. That's a giant. And, uh, and, uh, throughout some communication, that's what we're going to, that's what we're here today. And what, and what we're going to talk about is a big buck named Lucifer that you gave him the name Lucifer. But before we get into this story, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about where you're from and what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm from central Ohio, uh, and I own my own uh, small remodeling business. Uh, so I do construction every day and work for myself. Been doing it 15 years and passionate bow hunter. I gotcha. I take it that uh, having or having the ability to set your own schedule, being self-employed, is kind of a benefit when it comes to uh, hunting season. Absolutely. <laughs> so, are are the you, main reason why I'm self-employed? <laughs> are you one of the Are you one of the guys who takes like all of October and November off, or do you still have to sprinkle in some jobs throughout that uh, time frame? Oh no, I have to work. Yeah. all the time. Okay. So it's mainly I rely I rely a lot on uh, cameras and uh, scouting and stuff like that. So, but I I have to unfortunately I have to work. Majority right. of the time, I had a buddy who he runs his own company, and I think he does uh, uh, framing. That's all he does is he just frames. But he'll work from basically January to September, like early September, and then he will work basically 12 months in a nine month period. So he's, he just works and works and works, but then the second October hits, he's done. And he has that money to ride him through the entire, th- you know, October, November and December. And then he starts working back up again in January. So he, he takes it to the extreme on that end. Yeah, that, I mean, having one trade like that that's that's great that you can do that i'm kind of sprinkled in so the uh realtors are majority of my work so i do a lot of punch out stuff for them and and everything else i gotta they call and they want it done the next day so (laughs) gotcha i don't have that luxury you got any wife got a wife got any kids i have uh i have a girlfriend uh almost four years and she's awesome really supportive she actually started hunting a little bit once uh, we got together because she kind of figured if I wasn't working, I was going to be hunting, and she wanted to see me. That's probably the only time <laughs> she was going to get to see me. <clears throat> so, and then we have a nineteen, uh, nineteen little uh, baby boy, and his actually uh, his name is Archer Long. Nice, nice. So uh, yeah. I take it uh, he's going to be following. If you have anything to do with it, he's going to be following in Daddy's footsteps uh, behind the bow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool man. So cool. He's uh he already I, I pack him around shit hunting all the time. And he's my little shit hunting partner. Nice, nice. So okay, you live in Ohio, Central Ohio, and you know, first off, describe the area that you hunt. You know, show, tell us about the the terrain that uh, some of the properties that you hunt lie on, and uh, the deer population and whatnot. Uh, the area that um, I have several farms scattered over uh, 
the, the state of Ohio. I hunt everywhere from like Southern Ohio down by Pike County and, uh, Athens and stuff like that all the way out to Grand, uh, Granville. And, uh, so I, I kind of hit the, the broad spectrum. I just kind of follow the cameras and see which one, you know, which deer is the oldest and the uh, most mature that I can get on and I can pattern the, the best. Uh, but the area where this deer was killed was uh, a high ag area and then like small wood plots and stuff like that. Um, just happened to be next to like a no hunting area. Uh, not, um, so it's, it's a decent size, like no hunting area, I guess you could say. What are, and then what is this my, no hunting area? Go into detail about what that is. It's, it's just uh, like a, a landowner that doesn't allow any hunting, basically. Is all it is. The people's approach them to hunt it and stuff like that, and they they won't take money to hunt it. They won't take anything. They just don't want nobody hunt. Right. So that's uh that's the rules that are set in place with with that farm, and I'm just fortunate enough to hunt close to it. Gotcha. So it's basically so. a deer, a giant deer sanctuary. Yeah, you could say that. The, the, the really a, there's huge ag fields around it too so it's it's really it, it's like you can't even get like really pressured and, and that's what really makes it really really nice because all the areas that are around it that are close to it are so heavily pressured that they won't even move off of that and i've watched them they won't even move off of it until like it's pretty much dark dark like right. no shot you're going to get a shot at anything it, it, it's really interesting how they how they how they deal with pressure okay and then like the area that i hunt is you know there's still activity there but they know it's not a threat gotcha so So. the aside from this uh no hunting zone like you call it the entire area that you hunt uh, you're saying that's a little bit more high pressured as far as other hunters are concerned yes like gun season it's orange army um bow hunting there's cars you know around and everything else it's it's pretty interesting to watch others hunt yeah okay and then the farm that you hunt uh that is kind of next to this is it does it uh, border it directly yeah it pretty much borders it directly okay so then you have uh next to this quote-unquote no hunting zone, you have a farm that uh, uh, butts up right against it. So that in some way could be a benefit. How many acres is this particular farm that you hunt on? I think it's 20. 20 acres is it? 20 acres. Okay. Yeah, so, it's probably, it, it might it might be even smaller than that, but it's uh, it's 20 acres and it literally has eight trees on it. Okay, so describe this twenty acres. You know, you already said it's got eight trees on it. What is it like a uh, like a, a grassland, a cattle pasture? What is it? It's a big. It's a, an ag field basically. It has an ag field and uh, perfectly manicured grass all the way around uh, the ag field, and then it has like one little finger that has um, a little bit of a thicket on it. And I was able to get a ground blind. And uh, a little bit of a, a finger with thicket. There's no trees to. I have one one tree stand and one tree that I was able to, and it's literally 12 feet off the ground because the tree's so short and it has 
not a lot of cover in it. So, but I needed that tree stand to be there for the uh, the different wind the wind conditions and stuff right. like that. But the ground blind, I was able to get a ground blind up in this little finger that is like a old beat down fence row basically gotcha so is this timber or excuse me is this uh property this 20 acres is it on your your typical corn beans rotation it's actually uh the area that i'm in uh a lot of the farmers don't really rotate as normal as much as normal because uh, they don't yield corn very well so a lot of places just uh do just stay with beans and you know they'll just you know fertilize it accordingly i guess and everything else but it's usually they'll rotate it you know five years beans and then one year corn and they'll go back to five years beans gotcha okay so typically when you're dealing with a property like this right um and this is just for me talking about my experience hunting ground that is mainly ag or crp fairly flat not a lot of trees but the deer like to travel in the lowest possible, you know, uh, I guess elevation. Now, is there a, a ditch or a low spot that runs from that no hunting property into uh, the property that you hunt? Yep, low drainage area is right where I shot him. Okay, it's like one of them, as you would call them, it's kind of like a buffer strip. Absolutely, and it has like, but it's perfectly manicured grass in this buffer strip that goes and into another ag field that isn't ours and goes out there. It kind of has a little, a couple little rolls to it. So that where the, the house and the buildings and stuff like that are, um, if it's in this low area, they, they can't see the deer and the deer can't see them. Nice. So that's why, so the, I, that's I why the deer are using that. that are a lot like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, and, and, they, and they can cut out across this big ag field, uh, without being seen quite a ways eventually they have to pop up into the, the and when that's not our property either but eventually they have to pop out into the middle of the ag field where they can be seen from all the way around but there's no way you could possibly set up on them and plus i don't have permission on that field anyway gotcha so it sounds to me like as these deer are working their way towards the field or you know just in their their daily routine they're they're coming across this 20 acres at some point is that accurate correct okay all right now the majority yeah we we have we have a, a doe group that hangs out pretty much every day and then they might not even venture across the big ag field they might just come out and feed the bean field and in the grass and then turn around and go back in but yeah gotcha okay so on this particular property, um, are you running trail cameras a lot? I know you mentioned that earlier, but uh, is that kind of your your pre-season, during-season routine? Uh, yeah, I run a lot of trail cameras, and I just uh, threw some really good buddies that hunt a lot, and they kill some really good deer. Um, they told me to, you know, to check out some coverts and stuff like that, and it's a game changer, and uh, they were 100% correct on the whole covert thing because there was just too many times where you know you could see i just found out i learned so much from the covert this year that it's it's, it's definitely a game changer and then no means is like one of those deals where like oh you see the deer on the camera and then you can go out there and kill it that is never going to work um but it's 
you know, one of the deals where like, okay, this deer usually does something, you know, two days in a row, three days in a row, and then it's going for like five days. You know, you can get a little bit of a pattern like that. Gotcha. But and that and that isn't that isn't even a hundred percent. I've seen him literally do stuff, come in at noon, two days in a row, and then I'll be like, okay, he's going to do it again. You know, two weeks later, and he'll come in at noon, and then I'll go set up on him, and he won't show up. <laughs> so with with the correct wind. So he was, you know, he was doing things a lot of times, but. You know, it's a wild animal. They do what they want when they want. Right. So talk to me about some of the, as far as the wind was concerned, was there a specific wind that the deer felt comfortable on this property or or maybe multiple winds that they felt comfortable on this property? And then on the flip side of that, was there a wind that the deer just stayed out? Um they pretty much moved during any wind, but I could only hunt it during a certain wind because like a North, anything North, basically, uh, like a, any, anything North, I couldn't hunt it cause it blew right back into the, the bedding area. And the only place I, I can only really hunt one section of the farm. My perfect wind was a Southeast out of the tree stand and the one tree that I had. And then, uh, or, or an East, and then the other one was if it was blowing, if it was a, yeah, if it was a west wind, it was a good wind. And then a very northwest wind was at the very edge of the limit. And they really liked that because if you walked with the northwest wind, it would blow your scent right back in there. But I found out that if I circled way out and then came back around and got into my the ground blind, that they they felt more deer would come out those nights because it was anything out in that field. They would be able to smell it before they ever got into the field, but I would just have to circle way, way far out and then get into the blind. Gotcha. So I had permission to like walk out in the, in, into the ag field, but I didn't have permission to like hunt the ag field. They didn't care if I walked through their field to get to something because it was just a wide open bean field. Gotcha. So, so is that something that you yeah. did? I mean, you had a you had a conversation with the other landowner saying, "Hey, man, do you mind if I walk through your field to get to my field or to get to your your hunting location?" Yeah, because they knew they didn't have anything to hunt, so they're like, "We don't care. Just don't you know don't drive anything out in the field and gotcha. you know disrespect." My family's all farmers too, so you know they didn't. You know, I know not to run anything up or do anything right. disrespectful. So if you just loop out and get in. It was, it was no big deal then. Gotcha. Perfect. So then, uh, so you had to, it sounds to me like you had to play with your access routes a little bit, even on this 20 acre piece to get in there without spooking the deer, because you said that there's, you know, there were certain scenarios where your scent would blow into a bedding area. Now, was this bedding area on this 20 acres or was it off the 20 acres? There is no bedding. Like I said, eight trees and a bean field and perfectly manicured grass. There's no bedding on this on this land. They were strictly coming off another piece and onto me, and they were just bedding probably, if I had to guess, within 50, 60 yards off the edge of it. And they're just coming out here and, you know, into the uh, the bean bag field and the grass and just milling around. But, I mean, they felt really safe. I mean, it, it was – it, it was mowed twice a week. You know, literally, there'd be times where I'd be in a tree stand and the mower would go by my tree stand 
<laughs> and get waved at. <laughs> and then an hour later, you know, there'd be six days out there and there'd be a couple, you know, 120, you know, 110 bucks out there just chilling. Like, they'd look up and if the, the mower got within 150 yards of them, they'd try back into the, into the woods. But if they got any closer than that, I mean, if they got closer than that, they'd try to. But if they stayed at that distance, they would just continue on their business. Wow. Because they knew it wasn't a threat. Gotcha. So maybe that maybe that consistency, you know, made the deer calm to you know I guess some sort of intrusiveness. Do you think that that may have played a role? Yeah, it definitely helped. I mean, the stuff that you would see these deer that they would come accustomed to, like blew my mind. I, I got out there. Obviously, I only hunted the, the property. Probably, if I had to say. And then this was entirely too many times until I knew this deer was switch over to coverts and knew this deer was like showing up when he was, um, that I probably hunted it 15, 12 to 15 times. And that's too many in my opinion, because I figured out through the coverts, you know, you'll hurt yourself by hunting it too much. And then, you know, cause it's such a small land. And like when you walk out, if you get busted, then uh, sometimes you wouldn't see him for a week they wouldn't come back out because they, they knew something was wrong. But <clears throat> switching over to the, the – I was going out there to hunt one evening, and I was I drive a work van or whatever, and I was getting ready in my work van, getting all my clothes on and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I see this side-by-side that, you know, my family or whatever has, and they his kid goes out and rides side-by-side just screaming through the bean field. And I was like, oh, don't go back there. And yep, he went back there. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I just, I didn't have wind for any of my other farms. So, you know, I called off work or not called off work. I, you know, basically got off work and there's no way I could make time to go back to work. So I was like, I'm just going home. And then, you know, the covert goes off daylight and he's out there. He doesn't care about the half an hour before, before, uh, the big dark, buck, the big there. buck you're talking about, right? Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. So yep. now Christopher was out there. <laughs> so now we're going to start talking about this big buck. All right. We've we've kind of laid out the land and the terrain and and how this twenty acres lays in the surrounding area. But this buck you named Lucifer. When was the the first, I guess, knowledge of this buck? When did you first find out about this particular buck? Well. The property I've basically had permission to hunt it forever, and there's one guy that like hunted it, like I guess a lightweight hunted it, and I didn't know he ever stopped. But I never, there's not enough room on this property for more than one person to hunt. So um, he was he was a friend of a friend, and my buddy told me he was just like, man, could you not hunt that? Because this is the only place he has to hunt, and you have other really good farms. I was like, you know, it's a small farm. I understand. I'll let him hunt. So he hunts and hunts and didn't really ever kill anything out there, like a couple does and stuff like that. And I always went and coyote hunted it. So, you know, after season was over or towards the, the end of season, we'd have, we have coyote tournaments around here and stuff. And then I would go coyote hunt. And so I go out and coyote hunt and I come across this big shed. And it was a decent size shed. And I'm like, wow. So I was like, all right, I'm looking around and they left a tree stand up and it was all grew in and grew over. So, I contacted the landowner and I was like, Hey, is he still hunting out here? And he goes, No, nobody's hunting out here in a couple of years. I was like, Well, 
you obviously don't care if I bow hunt it, do you? And he's like, no, absolutely. You know, you're more welcome to. I was like, I just never want to intrude on him. And uh, he was just like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, do your thing. And, you know, picked up his shed. And he actually dropped really early. Uh, he dropped in, like, probably the beginning of January. Okay. So. And this was when, 2016? Yes. Okay, so this was this was no a, no 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 it it had been this 2017 shit season because he dropped after the new year. Okay, I got you. All right, so you found, I killed him in 2018. Okay, yeah. all right. So, but your first your first ever knowledge of this deer was when you picked up his shed in 2017, January 2017. Correct. Okay, cool. All right. All right, so so then so you, we uh, you found his shed right, and on the and you you're like okay, well I, I'm gonna ask if I can start hunting it again. The guy says yeah, go for it. Um, so when you found this shed, and then you realized you could get access to this farm now, what was kind of going through your mind? Did you start working on a strategy right then and there? No, because. It's- there's just nothing to this if most people and like this guy i think he was there there used to be a lot more trees and a lot more cover on the land and then the the owner just did away with it all he just left the really big trees which was like eight of them and then he clear cut or not clear cut he just cleared everything else off made it an ag field and made it manicured grass and so there's nothing to it and i think just when you go out there to the you know, you, you look at this piece of property, there's just nothing to it. And they're just, he was just like, well, I'm never going to see anything, you know, and if you don't hunt it with a, you know, exact right wind and, you know, if you're bumping deer off in the evening, once you bump them off, they won't come back for like a week or so. So, um, I think after a couple of times, he just got, you know, frustrated and just stopped hunting it. And with me, there was only one tree that I could get a tree stand in and then, after I got the tree stand, the only reason I really put the ground blind up was for my girl to get a, a deer that was, you know, pretty decent. And she, she does, she don't really like height. So I was like, eh, I'll tuck this ground blind back in here just in case she wants to hunt. And then the, you know, he started showing, we were scouting and I would sit there in the, in the summer and stuff like that. And I could watch the majority of this field. And the neighboring field, like the, the crop field, was beans. And I could watch it with the spotting scope. So I'd watch it and watch all these deer. Like I said previously, there was two other deer that, well, one other deer that I was hunting. He ended up getting locked up with another deer. And he was, ended up scoring about 165. And the other deer, about 145. They locked, locked up and they were found dead by my buddy that hunts on a piece that's south of this farm. Okay. So hold and on a second. Pictures, he goes with hold on a second okay all right so you found this shed uh and you started you know you you knew you were going to hunt it because you got permission so but you didn't really know other than having this shed what animals were on it right did you find that out through running trail cameras or or having to wait until the summer to get pictures i i didn't run the trail camera until like like the end of summer Okay. Um, well, I think about it. It was midsummer when I started trail camera, but I was going out there with a spotting scope and sitting probably two or three times a, a week with my spotting scope, watching a lot of deer. 
Okay. <clears throat> Did you identify this Lucifer buck while you were doing that? Um, I seen him one time, and then I seen another deer that ended up being killed five miles away. And that deer was a giant in July, and he ended up scoring 196. Okay. And I have one picture of that deer, and then that other 165 was out there. The 165 was out there almost every single night. Okay. All right. So you, you know, you're sitting in these fields uh, with a spotting scope, and you're so that let you know that the area had good quality of deer, right? Correct. Okay. So you you put a ground blind in, you got a tree stand up, um, and you started running trail cameras. Did these deer make their way from this no hunting property onto your uh, onto your twenty acres during the summer months? And were you getting pictures of those deer? And and you know, because once you get pictures of a deer on the property, that's different than looking at them through a spotting scope, right? Because now you verified that they're coming through your property oh yeah well i, I with a spotting scope i could see them coming through my property they oh. filter through my property out into the, the other really big ag field okay so, so they were t- they in the summer months they were all they were already coming through your property absolutely okay all right so you got that all right uh you started getting trail camera pictures um and then as the summer starts to wind down and you know they 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 start to get hard horn and maybe some sign starts pop popping up um did you what was your strategy going into the 2017 season just hunt it with the right wind and hopefully in the summer they were they were coming out but they weren't like they were so i don't know they they didn't they weren't They'd seem like they'd be more patternable in the summer, but they, the way that they worked through this property with all the ag, it kind of was the ag was high enough that they felt comfortable. No matter where they came out, they weren't using the low area. They started using the low area on the property once the once the ag was out because you couldn't, you know, they're not going to stand in the naked bean field. They'd rather be in that low in that low lying area. Right. But I had summer trail cam pictures of them. Like I was throwing apples out just to see what what's coming in and stuff like that and we're a lot of bait in ohio so yeah. you know i throw apples out to see what all deer were coming through the area and stuff like that and i was getting pictures i didn't really have a ton of pictures of him and i think he moved in like i said i only had like even through the spotting scope i only had like a couple pictures uh, or seen him a couple times okay. and then i only had like a couple pictures of him and i think what happened is when the other deer I got locked up with the other one that died. He moved in and just took over the whole area. Gotcha. So, so these two these two deer were found dead, locked together, right? And I take it the, the two deer Correct. that were found dead and locked together were uh, dom were probably the two like two dominant bucks that potentially could have been keeping that other the buck that you ended up shooting out of the area. Uh, yeah, the one the one. 165 uh probably 165 plus deer um he was called we, we nicknamed him bugs and he had real good brows real tall brows and uh so <clears throat> he was he was on the camera all the time he was coming like every time i was out with my spotting scope 
90% of the time he was there. And the other deer was actually a deer that I didn't really have a whole lot of pictures of. Like, he was only passing through from time to time. Gotcha. Uh, the one he got locked up with. But Bugs was, I'm positive that he was the dominant one. He was there in Velvet. He was there in Hardhorn. He was there throughout the entire deal. And then Lucifer was only, he was there, you know, he started, he t- I'm, I'm positive he took the area over after that one was gone. Gotcha. Okay. So, when did they find those two other bucks locked up? Who? Toward the end of the rut. Okay. It was, late had November. to be like mid, yeah, mid to late November. Okay. So then, when did you start hunting that property? As soon as the season started or did you wait for... You know, did you wait a little while to put less pressure on the farm? Uh, I, I started as soon as the season started. I had my tree stand. I already had, I prep everything in the summer, so I already right. had it all, you know, prepped. I actually had an elk hunt in Montana, and then so I couldn't open. I couldn't hunt the opening weekend. So the weekend that I got back from Montana for my elk hunt, uh, I went out there and hunted it in the pouring rain with one of my real good friends. That was the first time. I hunted it that season and the first time that I seen him on hoof and it was pouring down rain and we seen him come to step out and we were like, Whoa. And we actually thought he was bugs at first because of how far away he was. And then we put two and two together, uh, later on and we're like, that wasn't even the same deer. It was, it was, it was Lucifer, not bugs. Okay. So when you, you're sitting in this tree, it's pouring down rain and you see this you see this buck you see lucifer what did he do that night and how did that kind of play into your strategy or i mean because it sounds to me what you're saying is there's one tree stand there's one place to hunt on this entire on, on this 20 acres and it's that location and you just have to wait for the right conditions to go hunt it what were you did that encounter tell you anything about when you needed to be in that tree stand? Not really. Not really. He, he was using the edge of the farm. Yeah, I mean, I seen him in that location two times on hoof. Besides when I killed him, um, I seen him then, and then I seen him during like the rut. Okay. And he was chasing a doe during the rut. He came out into a section of there's no possible way to set up on him. It was a bean field. There was nothing else there. There was no, without trespassing, there was no way to to, to, to kill this deer where he was at. Okay. So, so the, those two encounters that you had with him, when you saw him from the stand, they were not on the property that you had access to hunt. They were on the, the neighboring farm. No, they were on the farm that I have access to hunt. There was just no way to hunt him there. Okay. All right. But how far apart, you know, you said that one of the encounters was with, was, uh, during the rut and the, that was the second encounter. But when was the first encounter? Was that in October at some point? Yes, that was, that was the first time I hunted that farm that year. And it was in October. Uh, it was like the second weekend of the season or something like that. Okay. So you had, you know, you knew that this big buck was there, right? And you were actively hunting him on this, on this small parcel. 
were you hunting any other farms at this point or were you, was it kind of a make or break on this particular farm? Uh, no, I have several other farms. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have uh, some family that has some other good farms and stuff like that. And I have some other pieces of uh, land that I have to hunt. And like I said, I have a farm in like two, two farms in Southern Ohio that are pretty decent. And I was just, you know, which, which, deer with daylighting and as soon as i get one daylighting consistently i would try to hunt that one with the right winds and everything else gotcha okay so you had somewhat of a routine to where you were check you were you were checking trail cameras on a regular basis looking for uh you know looking for daylight activity and then when you saw when you got that daylight activity you would move in on that particular property correct okay now and i mean like i said i was i was running covert so the covert that's a cell cam so it sends it right to your phone i had a i have a covert on five properties okay so if they weren't daylight i wouldn't pressure them okay okay that okay i thought you were just talking about the brand covert so you had you had these cell you had these cell cameras and you had five of them on five different properties. So they were coming, these pictures were coming straight to your phone. Correct. Okay. All right. All right. That makes sense now. All right. So, so this 20 acres, when did this Lucifer buck start? I mean, you saw him twice, but from a trail camera uh, standpoint, how often was he showing up on trail camera on this property? until until bugs died and we uh, confirmed that bugs died he was only showing up like maybe once every two weeks okay so he was cruising through the area at some point but just not not consistently then these two bucks die right two mature bucks die and i don't know i mean you're kind of explaining what i'm just about to say and that is i've seen it happen firsthand where uh, a big mature buck, dominant buck, gets taken out of an area. Let's say maybe during the rut, or maybe uh, at a, you know, later on, or even before. It creates like a power vacuum for that area, and all these deer start moving into it to to try to establish some kind of dominance over this new area, right? And it sounds to me like what you're about to say and I'm going to let you describe it, is that Lucifer, once these these other two bucks were found dead and gone, Lucifer moved in. Correct. Okay. That's absolutely. Once, once those two were gone, he started showing up almost, I mean, he was on camera four or five times a week. Now, whether it was daylight or not, that's a totally different story. He was, he didn't, he was, he was a strange bird. Like, he would daylight at like noon. And then he would do it normally like three times. And then I was like, okay, he's doing it three times. And then the next time he did it, he did it twice. Yeah. <laughs> and I was there the third time and he was not. Okay. All right. So, so when, so the rut happens, right? And when was it that he started showing up on a more regular basis? What time of the, was it November or December? Oh, that was, it was the end of the end of november because uh bugs had died and the 
the mid to end of November. Okay. All right. So he starts showing up on a more on a regular basis. Do your hopes get up a little bit more knowing that this deer's coming through on a, on a more regular basis? Uh, no, <laughs> no, but to be honest, to be honest, no, I'm not like I hunted a deer. I've been hunting another deer on another farm. I've been hunting for four years. He was as big as the previous year. And as soon as I thought he was doing something, he would do something different. Right. And it's just one of those deals. I don't try to get my hopes up because then getting my hopes and dreams broken, <laughs> not a, it, it gets old. Right. right. I'm not always excited about deer hunting, but, you know, I, I try not to, you know. Let it control too, you. Too excited. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so you, we, November ends, because you killed this buck in December, right? Day after Christmas. The day after Christmas. All right. So is this, was, was this with a bow? Did you shoot him with a bow? Absolutely. Okay. So, yep. so did... Was there a gun season in between, I guess, in the early part of December? Oh, yeah. Okay. So so he survived this gun season because I take it he was hanging out on the no hunting property, right? Most likely. he. he I know for a fact he went over to the, the pressured area. And he kind of, he scared me for a second because he, he left for probably about seven days. And okay. that's the longest that I'd never seen him, like, that went without seeing a picture of him. Okay. And uh, so when he when he disappeared for seven days, like, you know what I'm saying, I, I, like, I was kind of bummed out. But, like, I, I was never, like, oh, I'm absolutely going to kill this deer. So right. I was just bummed out. I was like, man, that sucks. You right. Know? Right. And so all, you... my, all my buddies would be like, they, they'd be like, man, you know there's more deer out there, especially you got pictures of other deer on other farms. Right. So, but when a deer, like when a deer disappears for seven days in the middle of uh, the gun season, <laughs> it's kind of a, for, for me anyway, it's a, it's a sign that something's happened to them. Right. And I, they do a lot of driving and pushing and stuff like that. And gun season around here. So I think what probably ended up happening is he was on one of those farms. Like I know he went, cause like he'll, he had to pass my camera to go to this other farm. And I know he went like midweek there. And then after that, it was the seven days. So I think what he did is he went over there and he got pushed off in the area that he, but he must have been on like the far end of that farm and got pushed, you know, somewhere else. Right. Took right. that long to get back home. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So then, you know, did, did you get a cell picture? Uh, you know, did you get a trail cam picture sent to your phone of him and did, did when he when he's when he came back after that seven day period, uh, was it like okay, gun season's over now? I can start to hunt him again. Yeah, because I don't I don't hunt during gun season at all. Right, but, right. Just, but but you knew now yeah, that yeah, uh, I don't, again, I don't pressure anything. again, there was something worth hunting on this on this twenty acres, right? Yeah, well, I didn't start hunting him until he started, like, I didn't go back out to that property. Once I knew he was uh, alive again, I was pretty uh, I was pretty excited. The, the funny thing about that, it, the, the deer is, is, like, you know, we all have a bunch of friends we can fight in and everything else. There was actually two deer on that property that looked 
the same. And okay. like there's, we ended up calling the other, the other deer L2 and both of those deer like, like disappeared at the same time. And with L2 and Lucifer disappeared at the same time, but we had thought that deer, they were the same deer. Okay. Until I, one night when I got a picture of him after gun season, it was him and L2 in the picture at the same time. And they look identical, but the one is just a lot smaller. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, like, okay, you, when you say a lot smaller, how much smaller? Because the buck you shot scored like 188 inches. And then you said the other, the other bucks that you were chasing, uh, were like, there was a 165 that you were chasing. You have, you know, the one you killed was a 188. This other one that looked like him, but was similar. I'm guessing what 150s ish. Yeah, he's 150. Okay, yeah. so man, you must hunt in a really, really good area to have that kind of caliber of deer coming through a 20 acre piece. It, it, it's kind of like a if you look at it, look at the area from Google Earth. It's like the hub of of a, of a really large area. You okay. know, they, they they stick the water and they, they it's like it's just a big hub. Gotcha. So it's just a lot of deer, you know, and since these people don't want to hunting, it's, you know, makes it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I have a, the, another farm that I hunt is, is reasonably close to this one as well. And it used to be known for just absolute giants. Yeah. But the pressure around it and in it, it was, it, it was really hard to hunt. Gotcha. Okay. So back I, to, I've, good. back to, back to Lucifer now. Um, so he starts showing back up after the gun season. Why don't you walk us through, uh, you know, it's time to start hunting him again. Uh, and it's the day after Christmas. Why don't you walk us through that night, what this buck did, you know, how he came onto the property and, uh, walk us through the, uh, the harvest. Well, if I could, I'll start two days prior to that. Okay. Um, like I said, he, he was doing things a lot of times in, in threes. So, um, and a couple times he would never do that third day. So one of my really good buddies was like, he's going to do it this time. He's going to do it. So I'm like, all right, well, Christmas day, we had got done with, uh, I had a picture of him on Christmas Eve an hour before dark. And then Christmas like Christmas Eve, there's no way I could do it. I was already stuck with um, my family and my my girl's family and stuff like that, doing family stuff. So Christmas, we got done early. She's like, you should probably go hunt. And I was like, and this is Christmas Day. My girl was telling me to go hunt. It was 22-mile-an-hour winds. I had Christmas Day and the day after Christmas that had, like, on the weather channel, I had the winds that would work to hunt this. And it was the only after that it was like three weeks um, till I could uh to till I could even get you know another win that would work. So she tells me to go hunt on Christmas and it was it was one of the last wins and uh, I said no it's high winds it's twenty two mile an hour winds and I'm just not going to go do it and I'm just going to stay here and hang out with you and 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 my son and uh, she goes all right she goes well if he shows up on camera don't go complaining. And don't go whining in daylight. And I said, all right, I got you. And then my phone goes off and she looks over and she knows the sound of my, uh, my cell camera, you know, alert. And she goes, that's going to be him. 
And I was just like, I was like, don't say that. And I look, I open my phone, and it's, I open my phone, and it's him, and I'm just, uh, perfect daylight, great daylight picture of him just standing there looking, looking big as can be. And I'm just like, she's like, I told you. She's like, now you're going to go pout, do your little pout thing. Um, I said, yeah, yeah. You know, I said, you're right. So I said, well, I'm going out there tomorrow. And she goes, well, all right, you know, do what you're going to do. And, uh, so, yeah, after Christmas, I left work a little early and uh, got out there at, what was that time I get out there? One, one thirty, because I wanted to make sure I was out there in plenty of time. And it was cold, like cold, 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 cold. And so I brought extra clothes and everything else. I make my big loop to get in. I'm sitting there and I'm freezing. And I'm like, I'm known not to have very good luck. <laughs> So I'm sitting there and got my clothes on and my seat keeps creaking. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to sit in a seat. And I'm like, it's creaking. I was like, all right. So I, I put the seat over and I'm like, all right. So it's so cold and I have so much clothes on that I want to make sure I can draw my bow back fine. And I'm going to draw my bow back and the pads on my rest are making noise. Like it was like every time I draw, draw my bow and I was like, oh my God. I was like, in the cold being, and there wasn't really a lot of wind, you know, it, it makes the sound even louder, it seems like. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, all right. So I'm sitting here and I'm trying to do anything I can to get this thing not to make noise and everything else. And I, I figured out that I could lift my arrow with my finger until it got to the broadhead. And then I have to sit it down for the last like two and a half inches. And um, so I was like, all right, I got that figured out. So I didn't end up using my last piece of clothing so i set it on the ground of the ground blind so that my feet wouldn't drag on the the leaves and the dirt and make noise so i'm sitting there and i black myself out black myself out in the ground blind and uh, i have a doe and a fawn come in and they come in about four four thirty and um they're coming in and there's like a little bit of a feet pile out there from where my girl was supposed to be doing that and get they come in there and they're feeding on that they look around and i put my hoodie down and it didn't even make any noise and the doe just looks at me and then starts stomping i'm like oh no i was like don't don't do that i was like please don't do that and she was like she knew the wind and i said i was like oh here she goes she's gonna go in me and she turned around and started walking all the way around the blind to the backside gets 10 yards from the backside of the blind and it starts blowing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, she ruined it. She ruined the night. I'm done. I was like, great. So she takes off the the fawn that were the yearling that was with her, takes off with her. And so I'm sitting there and I'm sitting there and I was like, I'm just going to tough it out. Every time I seem to call it quits or something like that, he shows up regardless. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching six does filter out the one area where I've seen Lucifer come out and there's just no way to set up right there. So I'm watching the deer, you know, filter out right there. And I'm like, well, she didn't scare them off. So I was like, well, that's good. So I'm watching these does and everything else. And I take a camera with me a lot of times. And just cause I like the video, you know, my hunts just for me and my son to look back on. Um, so I had the camera out and all this stuff and I'm videoing them. And then another, uh, an eight point comes out like closer to me the, the deer that come out 
the six does that came out before, they're like 200 yards down the way, maybe even 300 yards. And uh, in between me and them, a buck comes out. And the buck that came out was a buck we called Johnny Tsunami. And uh, he was a broken rack from white eight. And uh, he usually runs around with this other tall eight. And uh, I was like, man, maybe I'll get lucky and it won't be the tall eight and it'll be Lucifer. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and he goes out in the middle of Beanfield and he's feeding his feet and he's looking back toward the woods. And I said, all right. And when he, it's getting like, I'm losing the light quick. And I'm like, well, at least I'll be able to see some deer, whatever. I just got to figure out how to get out of this ground blind without blowing all these deer out. And the next thing you know, the next deer that steps out is Lucifer. And I'm like, oh, my land. I was like, <laughs> th- th- this is the closest. Like, when we would see this deer on trail camera, I mean, I had buddies that were like, you know how you always go through and you're like, oh, this time 12 inches, this time 8 inches. You know, I think this deer's going to score one, 150, 157. Like, I think three or four buddies are like 157, and it's going to net 151. And I'm like, you're drunk. So I figured it up, and what I was coming up with was 165, 167. And so I'm all right. And then when he steps out, he's literally 100, 120 yards from me. And I'm like, oh, my. I'm like, that deer is way bigger than 165. How, how old did you think this deer was? I'm thinking he was probably five. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he was any older than that. I haven't. I'm sending his teeth out once I get the call back um, from the taxidermist. Gotcha. But um, I have yet to go pick that up. So he he steps out, and he's just like, I see him, and I'm just like dumbfounded. I'm like, oh, my God. And like at this time, I feel like my heart is like uppercutting me in my mouth. And I'm just like, I was like, stop looking at his rack. I was like, and then he turns and starts coming toward me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he would walk 40 yards, and then he would just scan the field and just scan the field. You know how it is. It seems like an hour when it's only five minutes. He walked 40 more yards. And I I was shooting through the door of the ground blind at this time because I was in the ground blind that she was supposed to be hunting out of when I hunted it. But I found out that, you know, the ground blinds, work for this wind and you know it's just better with the weather conditions and everything like that so i just hung out the ground blind well i had the door open and i had one window and it was so loud so cold that moving my feet just wouldn't work so i was like i was committed to the door and he's at 25 yards in my other window facing me and i was like stop looking at his rack and i was like so i put my head down and i had my my hand on my on on my bow and i was clicked in and I was like, stop looking. And I kept looking at his rack, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, you had that big black area from one window to the door. And as soon as he, like, got in there, I, like, straightened my back back up and, you know, like, lift your butt off a little bit so you're shooting off your knees. And he steps into this, into, like, the little area where there's some, some corn there and stuff like that. And uh, he, as soon as he put his head down, he, he was at 27 yards. And I said, with my bow making the noise that it is, I'm going to wait till he gets food in his mouth. And he's crunching. So he puts his, puts his head down, and I go to draw back. I lift my arrow up, and that last two inches was like, and he heard it. And he jerks up, and he's staring at me. But two inches, I'm already drawn back on it. So 
you know, I touched the trigger off and I hit him and I had a luminoc on him on the arrow and he turns and he runs like a scalded dog dead away from me. He doesn't turn and run back toward the, the, the little, the, the bedding area, nothing like he runs into a wide open beat field. And I'm like, why would he do that? And I'm like, I was like, Oh, please don't let me hit him high. Yeah. And I was like, I was worried about that. No man's land that high area. And I'm like, Oh my God. Did you, when you, when you saw the arrow, did you think it was a good hit or did you not know based off of just how everything was? I, I felt good, but like I said before, my luck isn't the greatest, and I, sh- I shoot pretty decent, And but it's just one of those things that usually stuff doesn't go all that right for me all the time. <laughs> yeah. So when he turns, and you know, normally you get like a real hot, you know, a, a, they'll, they'll kick or they'll do something like that. Yeah. He did none of that. He just turned and ran. And when he ran, like my uh, Luminoc was sticking out of him okay, about six inches. And I said, and I could see it bounce, and then he snapped it, and it fell and was laying in the field about uh, 45, 50 yards away from me. And I was like, all right, well, that's six inches of, of arrow that's laying there. He had the other rest of my arrow either in him or through him. Right. And I'm shooting that new Rage Taipan. I've always shot Rage. And, uh, so he's running dead away. And at this time, one of my real good buddies – he had called me. He knew I'd been hunting. He goes, he goes, well, you didn't see him, did you? I was like, thanks for the positive. I said, I just shot him. And I was like <laughs> shaking and talking. And he was like, dude, you are tore up from the floor up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm freezing. I just shot him. He goes, did you see him go down? And there's like a couple little rolls in this, in this, in this field. And I said, no, I didn't see him go down, but he's running dead away. So I gathered my stuff up and, it was probably about eight minutes last before light was, you know, before legal shooting light was over. And, uh, so I, there's no way I could have got him on camera or did anything like that. So I just packed up all my stuff and I walked to my, uh, to my van and I get up there and I'm talking to the landowner and talking to him. And he, I was like, I just shot the big one. And he was like, really? I said, did you find him? I said, no, I'm going to give him some time. I want to make sure he didn't go over into that uh, the the neighbor's property where there's no hunting allowed. Because if that happened, I would have had to figure out a way to get a hold of that neighbor, which it's really really hard to get a hold of him. Yeah. So he's like, "All right," and I was like, "But the other thing I didn't want to do is push him further into that property either." Yeah. So you wanted to give him some I was time. Like, yeah, I wanted to, you know. And so we're we're talking, and a couple of my buddies had called me, and I was just like, I shot him, and they're like well, did you find him? Did you see him? You know, I said, no. I said, I just got my stuff up. I said, it looked good, but, you know, I'm still kind of worried about it. And uh, I'm walking by. I mean, I got to walk back by where he ran. And so I'm walking back by where he ran. And I didn't see it. Also, it's dark, so I can't really see very far at all. But there's snow on the ground, a little bit of snow. <clears throat> and uh, so I'm walking you know, get warmed up, making my phone calls. I probably wait 45 minutes to an hour. I probably should have waited longer, but I went back out there and my whole deal was I was going to stay 20 to 30 yards away from the wood line. If he made it to the wood line, I was like, if it looks like he's going into the wood line, I'm not even going to close to it. Cause a lot of times we'll go in there and die on the edge of the wood. So 
I'd scanned the field once, and I'm looking at you know the blood and the snow and stuff like that. I'm looking down, looking down, looking down, and then I get to a deer butt, and my heart just like. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a wide open field with like, and that area had the most trees, so the other six trees on the farm were in this other little low area, and I get to a deer butt, and I'm like, and I it was it was crazy. It was like I just stopped on his butt. I didn't even make it to his head. I stopped on his butt and my heart dropped. Yeah. And I'm like, he's dead. And I'm like, and then I'm like, like a minute or two felt like goes by before I even looked at his rack. And then I looked at his rack and I'm just like, Oh my. Yeah. I was like, I didn't, I didn't even touch him for like five minutes. I just knelt down beside him and just paid my respects. I mean, he, he was, he's a, a deer of a lifetime. So, what was going through your mind at that point when you grabbed his antlers and picked up his head for the first time? You know, I don't know if this is the biggest buck you've ever shot or not, but you know, you just killed a 188 inch deer, which is gigantic by the way. What was, you know, what was going through your mind at that point? Well, I was, I, I felt so lucky. I was so happy. I put so much time and work into, you know, in, in general and, I just sat there and held him and just, you know, my girl, once I seen him and talked to a couple of my buddies, they were like, yeah, he's probably going to go 170. One of my buddies, just one of them said that. The other ones were like the 150s and stuff like that. But one of them was like, he's probably going to touch 170. And I'm like, okay. And I told my girl, I said, if this deer touches 170, I'm getting, I'm getting him life-size mounted. And she's like, <laughs> She goes, okay. She goes, okay. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I think this deer's definitely going to touch 170. I said, for a fact. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, and I'm shaking out of my boot. It's freezing. I'm shaking. I'm looking at him and it, it was just crazy. I go back up to the landowner and I said, will you help me uh, get him loaded onto my quad that's in my van? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he took a couple pictures for me and stuff like that of where he laid and stuff. Yeah, you know, he was pumped up for me, and I was pumped up, and it was it was crazy. It was just like phone call after phone call after, you know what I mean? And yeah, my one buddy that said he'd touch one seventy, he's a really good hunter. He's a really really good hunter, and he's you know a good judge of deer. And he's like, man, come over and we'll take some pictures over here, some night pictures, and try to get some good ones of you. I'm like, cool. So I go over there, and he goes, first thing out of his mouth was, you got your checkbook. And I was like, well, I said, why? And he goes, remember what you told your girl, that 170 mark? And he's touching 170, dude, easy. And I said, you think? He goes, that deer's touching 180. Yeah. He said he has 48 inches of mass. I guarantee it. Yeah. And I was just like, all right. And he said, we're, we're doing whatever. And he takes a bunch of pictures. He congratulates me. We go back to my house, and one of my good buddies that uh, also works with me, he uh, he come back. We, we start measuring up, and he goes, I'll tell you what you do. You read the measurements off. I'll add them up and write them down and, and all that stuff. So we're adding them up, and he's writing them down. And he goes, all right, I'm going to let you guess what you, think he, what, he, what you think he is now. And I said, man, I don't know. I said, 177, 178? And he starts laughing. And I'm like, <clears throat> I said, what is it? And he turns the paper around, and he got 185 and, like, a quarter. And I'm like, wow. Wow. I was like, really? 
and I try to do everything on like the small side, you know, yeah. like yeah. I don't, I don't try to stretch it. I try to like make it whatever. So I call, a, uh, I text my little group with my other buddies and I'm like, uh, we have it scoring at a 185 and, uh, they're like, no way, no way. I thought you were a carpenter. I think you knew how to work a tape measure. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever, dude. So they're like, we'll come out tomorrow and we'll take some daylight picks and then I'll measure it. And I'm like, okay. And uh, I sent it to my buddy uh, who who guessed over 180. And he said, I knew it. He said, that deer has 48 inches of mass, I guarantee it. And I'm like, all right. So my other buddy that's taking pictures from me in the daylight, he comes out and he measures it at 188. Nice. And he was just like, oh my gosh. And then, uh, uh, Buckeye, uh, what is it? Not Buckeye, it's uh, Buckmasters. He said they don't have a drawing time. So Buckmasters uh, wanted to score it because my buddy knew a scorer for them. And he got me in contact with him. And I met up with that guy, and he had it. He was a professional scorer through uh, Buckmasters, and he had it scored at 188 and 38. And it had 48 inches of math on the nose. My nice. buddy hit that math measurement on the nose. <laughs> cool. Well, I tell you what, man, that's uh, definitely something to get excited about. Congratulations on an absolute giant buck, a, a buck of many lifetimes for a lot of people. Um, and, uh, man, I bet you're looking forward to uh, to this next season. Yep. The thing that it, it kind of makes me think about and realize, too, is like, that deer is a very large deer so you put that deer next to some of the other deer that you thought were big that you shot and it's just like wow i want to keep him away from this (laughs) (laughs) you got to put him in a different room oh yeah he makes everybody else look bad well congratulations man oh thank you very much sir and there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Shannon for coming on and sharing his story today. It's kind of cool when guys are hunting on a very small parcel and get the job done. Uh, it sounds like he was in a great neighborhood, but uh, to be able to get it done on on that property with the restrictions that he had on that property, I think uh, that just goes to show you that determination can get the job done wherever you're at. So, huge shout out to, uh, I guess, and a congratulations to Shannon. Huge shout out to all of you. Like I say this every time, but thank you very much for coming and tuning in and downloading and listening. Please, please, please subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Lots of cool things coming. If you haven't already, uh, visit sportsmansnation.com. And not only will you find the Whitetail RSS feed, but we also have the Big Game RSS feed as well, where we talk about Western Big Game and Western hunting. Uh, so uh, be sure to f- uh, follow that on social media, Sportsman's Nation. And then you can go to Instagram and Facebook, not only for Sportsman's Nation, but for the Nine Finger Chronicles as well. Follow because uh, we're going to be do- doing a giveaway here for some Exodus trail cameras here pretty soon. Probably this week, maybe Wednesday or Friday. Uh, I'm going to play it by ear. But I hope uh, all of you guys have a good rest of your week huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast lone wolf ozonics gearhead 
Wasp, Ripcord Archery, Exodus Trail Cameras, and Bighorn Outfitters. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness.